Greetings to the Kingdom Citizen Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Cruz. And as an ambassador of the Kingdom of God, I am so honored and excited to be with you again as it is the will of the King, both politically and spiritually, because we represent a government that is the Kingdom of God. Welcome, my fellow citizens, or better yet, welcome saints. You know, that's what Paul would call us in his day would be saints. So uh, I just want to continue to follow along what the disciples had had already administered. So we're going to today, we're just going to continue on our conversation with with uh with mental health, with suffering to through uh, through trials, you know we all go through them. We all have them. Uh, some are different than others, but there's nothing that we've gone through that a, other brethren have not gone through themselves as well. So, uh, in that fact, we're not alone. But what I want to try to just convey to you is, you know, I want to finish up on tying in uh, some of my testimony uh, with what I'm battling with and this topic today because uh, I'm I'm suffering mentally right now as I'm doing this podcast um, mentally I'm 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 just I'm burnt right but all glory to God he, he continues to uh, give me purpose, continues to, to push me uh, to places where uh, it's kind of like Star Trek that I've never been. Right. And, um, it's, you know, it, it doesn't come willingly. But as Jesus said right before the the, the cross, as he was on the cross, it's, it's not my will, but thy will. So, and I really, um, that's the only thing that I'm after is just pleasing God. Honestly, that's, that's where I'm at. That's where my mind frame is at. And because of that, it's making the trial different, but also more difficult because of who I want to please and, and push through. So as I discussed last week, um, you know, God gives me a word to give to the family. And, and last last year in 2022, uh, I mentioned in the last podcast that he gave me, you know, Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, where it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another one to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be alone, uh, be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. You know, so as I said before, we, you know, I gave that word to my wife. And, uh those instructions came along with it. And then, you know, he gave me some separate instructions. It was a, a husband's role. 
And that's the, the instructions that he gave me uh, to do. Right. And and when that came in, it was like, OK. I had listed those in the previous podcast. So I started on that journey of following instructions and, and, and trying to implement those things because I didn't know what was coming up. You know, so that started in January of 2022. And then uh, around July, uh, my wife had started experiencing outwardly symptoms of, of having uh, vertigo, you know, and, and balance issues and stuff like that. So uh, she went to the doctor and, and they were they seen her and they they started uh, diagnosing her with. She had an earache, ear infection. So they started giving her steroids and, you know, they did this off and on for three weeks because the steroids they were given seven day increments. Once the steroids were off, the symptoms came back, you know, and then one Sunday uh, she was supposed to go to Fort Worth uh, from Tulsa to go to Fort Worth for some job training that she had a job lined up to do, uh, to work from home. Uh, but the, the company is actually there in Arlington. So, uh, I told her like, well, if you can't tell me that you feel well enough to drive, um, you can't go, you know, I don't want to put, I, I don't want to, you know, take away from what you're trying to do for your life, which was, you know, for her working cause she don't need to work. Um, you know, we've, We've built our um, what we have now off of one income, and and that's how we want to keep it. But anyway, she was. Uh, uh, I just told her I, I'm not trying to to damper that, but I'm concerned about your safety, and that's my job as her husband is to be concerned about her safety. So she woke up Sunday morning, and she was just like, "Man, I I don't feel well at all. Maybe I should go uh, to." Um, a doctor. So she called one of our, our friends here in the neighborhood and uh they they are some uh some PAs, some doctors and they told her, "Hey, go up to this Glen pool and and let them know that you're having some issues and and uh see if they would run a um uh a scan." So we did. Went up there and ran the scan and I tell you what when the uh the doctor came in. He was the head doctor at, at the ER that day. He came in and he was a white guy, but he was pale. He was white as a ghost. He was like, um, we're going to run another CT scan. There's definitely something there, but I want to make sure that what I saw is is true. So they ran another one and they did. He came back and he's like, okay, uh, there's something there. We're going to send you up to the main hospital here in Tulsa. So that's kind of how everything started snowballing, right? And we go up there Sunday, Sunday night, and probably about eleven o'clock that night. You know, after they did all their testing and everything, they came back and said, uh, "This is a tumor. Uh, it's a brain tumor. Um, we don't know if it's vascular size or not. Uh, we can do the surgery here, but." I feel more comfortable, and this was the doctor talking to us. He was like, I feel more comfortable sending you to OKC, um, you know, in this, with doing this type of surgery because uh, 
he does those all the time and he's really great at it. So there's God's hand already operating, right? It's like, okay, well, he's like, but, you know, it's going to take a few days for us to, to get you in. So uh, we'll let you know what happens. And within two hours, they come back and said, well, um, well, what we're going to do is we, we're going to go ahead and send you to OKC. Uh, we're just going to transport you there through a um, an ambulance. So, you know, I have a toddler and I was like, man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with her. So we we have really good friends in our neighborhood. We have about 60 houses here and and you know, we developed relationships with them that where we were able to 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 drop her off with with them and uh I just couldn't, you know, it it was hard to to drop her off cuz she's never been apart from us and she was she wasn't even 2 years old yet. Right? So, but I had to drop her off so that I could go to OKC and, and be with my wife for the surgery. So uh, we had a couple of houses that were next door to each other and they chipped in and, and, and took care of Abigail while we were away. Right. And, um, you know, that's, that's a community. That's a community. We, I know that they're believers you know, and, and, and they know God and know Jesus and all that stuff. And, but this was a community in action. So they just, they willingly took her in into their home. And, you know, while we were in OKC, so we get to OKC and they were like, well, you're going to have to be here. We don't have any open space until Friday. So we were like, man, we're going to be here till Friday. Um, our, wife, uh, our daughter's birthday, Abigail's birthday, was coming up that following week. And all Crystal was saying is, can we get this going? Because I just want to be home for my for my baby's birthday party. We had already had a birthday party planned and scheduled. And this was Crystal's, this was her, this was her faith in action now. She wasn't concerned about the tumor. She was just concerned about being home for Abigail's birthday party, right? So the doctor, they left, and then the next morning they come in and said, well, I told you that we had, we didn't have no space available until Friday. Well, now we have space. They're going to work you in and get you in tomorrow morning, which would have been on a Wednesday, I think it was. And uh, so it's like, Everything happened within three days, finding the tumor, getting transported, getting going to OKC. They telling us that we were going to have to wait. Then we didn't have to wait. And they got her into the operating table on Wednesday morning. The, op the operation lasted, I think, about three and a half hours, three and a half, four hours. And at that time, after the uh, surgery, the, the doctor comes to me and he was like, man, she did great. Everything went well. He was like, uh, the only thing is, is when I saw the tumor, it was more aggressive than what I uh, thought it was going to be. He said everything was encapsulized underneath the brain. 
in the back of the cerebellum but um uh, we we're, it's more aggressive so we're gonna send that off for biopsy right but he's like she's doing well in a few hours you can go in and you know so we we did that a few hours i go in and as i'm walking up to her room i can hear her giggle and i'm just like oh my god she she's up she's kind of giggling but you know she she just had brain surgery basically they went into the back of the cerebellum and and took out this tumor that was about the surface size of a, a tennis ball um but needless to say we're in icu for three days and by that next morning she was up walking going to the restroom and all her drive was is I got to be home for my baby's birthday. And I tell y'all what, she, she, God was with us. People were sending us food from our neighborhood. Uh, I had one of my mom's cousins that was in OKC. She came up, sat with me, to um, brought us food. I mean, I had friends. Family came up uh, from Tulsa that, you know, sat with me during the surgery. So God had everything orchestrated. And I didn't worry about anything but just being there. And now what, what comes into play is is this sentence of the scripture. It says, for if one of them falls... Uh, Ecclesiastes 4 and 10 it says for either for if either one of them falls the one will lift up his companion but woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up well here I am now I'm living out the scripture of what God gave and then my husband roles are kicking in being sacrificial now I'm having to become a caregiver and without following those and looking up, you know, how to be sacrificial with my love, how to make my love more realistic, how to be more personal with my love uh, for my wife. Without understanding that and trying to practice that and understand that that was direction that God gave me. If I wouldn't have done that, there's no way that I would have been able to be the type of caregiver that my wife needed during this time of, of, of going through brain cancer. There's just no way because I wasn't that kind of man before that. I mean, I wasn't a, a bad man. I just wasn't, you know, we all have flaws, right? So this, I had flaws when it come to, you know, uh, we're selfish by nature. So, you know, sometimes I wanted to, what I wanted and, she wanted what she wanted and you know we have a standoff i mean it we've been married for 13 years so it's it's not like a bad standoff but this is just natural things and normal things that people go through when they're married right so uh we're back home within a week and now i'm a full-time caregiver for a toddler who just turned two and a wife and you know I have a wonderful job that allowed me, you know, I took disability 
So I was off for four months. I've been I was off for four months, went back to work January two thousand twenty three. Right. And um at that point I started experiencing depression just because everything changed, right? I, I, I was changed, my circle got smaller, um people didn't know how to respond or react to, you know, man, dude's wife got brain cancer and, you know, he has a toddler, he's busy. You know, so it's like my whole life was surrounded, was revolving around taking care of a toddler. And, you know, so there was a lot of things that even took place before that. Right. There was things that like uh, my wife used to give the baby a bath. She was a baby baby and we double teamed it. You know, she would bathe her and and all that stuff. And then I would get her after she bathed her and, and dry her off and take her in and start getting her lotioned up and get her pamper on and all that stuff, right? So there was a point before she started getting outward symptoms where I don't even know how it happened, but it happened to the point where I was giving Abigail baths, washing her hair. I was doing bath time by myself, not understanding why. But that's what I was doing. So by the time all this stuff happened, I knew where everything was in the baby's room. I knew how to take care of her. I knew different things about, you know, the girl, what I was supposed to do, what I wasn't supposed to do, doing her hair and all this stuff. Right. I'm. This is this is what I was doing before. So God was prepping me. And. Without that word from him and me following through on that word um i would have felt alone but i knew god had took care of everything so here it is 2023 right and i get to go to work and now you know i already had the pressures of being a caregiver now i'm adding the pressure of going to work and everything that i'm doing is focusing on everybody else's um, needs and not mine. So here comes that selfish part again. And that's what sometimes make you fall into a depression. Right. But there's a lot more aspects to to the situation that I have that that creates that uh, feeling of hopelessness and all that stuff. But at that point, I said, man, I have God says I, I, I have to go and get help. You know, because at this point, it's like I didn't have uh, the fam, the family and the friends that was coming around being supportive in a way that they could could help me mentally. You know, no one was around. I mean, we're up here in in Tulsa, Oklahoma. All our family is is there in um, uh, Fort Worth. Right. So this this makes it difficult. So um, we get this word now. I'm 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 still searching for word, you know, to hear from God for 2023, and and He gave me this word prior uh, to the beginning of the year, and this one was First uh, Peter five and ten, right? So. This is our new vision for this year. 
in that verse, I'm going to go back up to verse six so you can get a little bit of context. It says, therefore, humble your this is first Peter five and uh, I'm starting in verse six. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit and be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And here's the main verse that he gave was verse 10. It says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. And since this is a kingdom com uh, based uh, podcast, that last verse to him be dominion forever. That's a kingdom term. Dominion meaning rulership. To him be the ruler forever and ever. So the ruler is going to establish. He's going to perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you. After you suffered a little while. Right. And. This was the word that he gave this year. Now, as humans, we say a little while. Well, a little while, you, you know, you, we used to say we have terms like a New York minute. New York minute could be an hour, two hours. Hey, I get with you in a minute. That doesn't necessarily literally mean a minute. So a little while is God's timing. And during that timing, depending on our prayer, and how we approach him, you know, it kind of determines and, and as, well, not necessarily your prayer, but what he's trying to perfect in you as a saint, as a citizen of the kingdom. Right. He's going to answer your prayer. And he's going to be with you always during your trials and suffering. Right. Because he's definitely been with me and my family during this whole trial, I mean, and, and he visits through people often. I mean, literally often. And, and, and now they express some of that oftenness uh, as we continue. But that was just to establish, you know, the vision verses that I receive from the word. And that's because I'm in the word. So you have to be in the word in order to receive a word. You can't just receive a word without being in it, because if you're not in it, how do you know God's heart and where he sends you to get that word? Right. So sometimes, you know, even if you don't know what you're how to hear from God yet, hear him speaking to your spirit. You know, sometimes you can just research a word. You know, go through, pick a word that comes to your heart, not your mind, but comes to your heart. Pick a word that comes to your heart. Look it up in the Bible and just start reading verses. And then all of a sudden 
one will stick out. Maybe two. And then you read, reread, and you meditate day and night. That's what God says. Meditate on thy word day and night. You know, that's what gets me about people who say, I, you don't need to be too religious. Well, we're spirit first. So spirit means that we have to go to this, our constitution and read it. So if that's being too religious, I, I, I don't want to be a part of a religion. I only want to be a part of the kingdom. Right. So I don't want to follow customs. I don't want to follow laws. I don't want to follow anything that I believe that that makes me idolize something else than other than the word. Right. And if I sense that something's making me idolize, whether it's people, money, I, I, I've been there. I've been there where I've idolized and I've put people in places where I, I shouldn't have. Um separate from learning the word right and that's you know whether it's people in the church or people in my life uh around me so idolized being having idols is is a big no-no right for me and if i sense it occurring for me and my family i will turn away from it because that's that's not what i want that's not what god wants uh, he wants us to put nothing before him, nothing before him. Right. So what I want to do now is kind of, uh, we're almost out of time here, but what I want to do is we're going to take a look at the story of Elijah that kind of reflects, I mean, there was about seven different people who went through depression, despair. I say depression, but when you use the terms despair, hopelessness, those are all symptoms of depression. And the word says that Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, you know, those people went through those, uh, those symptoms and they utilize those words in the Bible. But God also worked through them uh, and help them work out their depression. And, you know, I'm, I'm going through and reading this story of Elijah and it kind of hits home with me. Uh, I'm not interjecting myself in it. I just see the similarities of how God worked in my life and how he's working in my life and how he uses things around us to help us see that he's working something through us and in us during the trial. And if we just continue to lean on him, it will be perfected in his time. And then he will strengthen and confirm you afterwards. So, but what I want to end today's podcast with is uh, and it's a it's an insert from Charles Spurgeon. Uh, I'm starting to read a lot of his stuff between Charles Spurgeon and um, uh, I'm starting to read this book called The City of God, which 
was a uh, a theologian back then when uh, during the time of the Roman Empire. And this is uh, that that type of reading. It explodes the mind and it's 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 making me learn a whole lot more and making me understand the Bible in different ways. And and it's it's just bringing more light to the Bible. It's not expressing anything new. I'm not pulling anything new out of the Bible, but it, what it is doing is it's tying it all together. All these loose ends I've had for years and trying to tie stuff together and why this happened, what, where did this come from? You know, digging into the people who were there during that time and reading their words. You know, Charles Spurgeon wasn't there at the time, but man, he has a great aspect on things. And I want to end the, the podcast with this today. Um, and it's talking about when we're suffering. So this is, quote from Charles Spurgeon it says here brethren do we always know what we are asking for when we pray we are imploring an undoubted blessing and yet if we knew the way in which the blessing must necessarily come we should perhaps hesitate before we press our suit you have been entreating very much of your growth in holiness do you know, brother, that in almost every case that means increased infliction, affliction? For we do not know or for we do not make much progress in the divine life except when the Lord is pleased to trying us in the furnace and purging us with many fires. Do you desire the mercy on that condition? Are you willing to take it? As God pleases to send it and to say, Lord, if spiritual growth implies trials, if it signifies a long sickness of the body, if it means deep depression of the soul, if it entails the loss of property, if it involves taking away my dearest friend, yet I make no reserve, but include the prayer, all that is needful to the good end. When I say, sanctify me, Holy Spirit, soul and body, I leave that process to thy discretion. Suppose you really knew all that it would bring upon you. Would you not pray at any rate with more solemn tones? I hope you would not hesitate, but conducting all the but counting all the costs would still desire to be delivered from sin but at any rate, you would put up your petition with deliberation, wearing every syllable. And then when the answer came, would you not be so astonished at its peculiar form? Often and often, the blessing we use so eagerly to implore is the occasion of suffering which we deplore. We do not know God's methods, unquote. That is such a powerful statement of reading that I'm going to end with today. And just know that during 
your time of suffering, whatever that may be. Uh, we'll continue this talk next week, but just know that that God is with you. And he's perfecting some things in you. Right. And he's going to. He's going to. Want to to. To perfect what he wants to perfect. And, and we just have to be OK with that. Right now, you don't have to stay there if you don't want to. God doesn't force himself upon anybody. And he's not going to force himself upon you if you don't want the help to don't listen to that still voice that's inside. You can try to take care of it on your own. It's just going to make things harder. And eventually you'll end up at another fork in the road and God is just going to be standing at one end of the fork. And he's going to be saying, come to me. And I hope that you decide to come go his way, because when you go his way. He's going to always send help. He's going to always send a raven to bring you something to let you know. You're still, I'm still traveling with you. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. So I like to end the podcast with the altar call. And if you have ears to hear the call of God at this moment, and he has asked you to be willing to submit to him and become a part of the kingdom, repeat this confession after me. I confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead. And thou shall be saved. That's Romans 10 and 9. And if you said this confession with a deep personal conviction, with reservation that Jesus is sovereign over me and everything that I have in my life. This phrase includes repenting from sin, trusting in Jesus for salvation and submitting to him as Lord. This is the volitional element of faith. And I pray that uh, someone accepts Christ. And if you've uh, been on the back burner with Christ and you know him and you want to reconnect back to him, just just say those words and just believe in your heart and that he's forgiven you, right? So um, I'm excited for those who have accepted our Lord and Savior as as uh, into your heart and into your life. And I pray that your relationship begins to deepen today. Until next week, kingdom citizens, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. And I pray that you have a very merry, merry Christmas. Don't let the world take it away from you. This is still the day of the Lord and celebration of his birth. I love you. Talk to you next week, guys.